This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... What is up, everybody? Inside FedEx Field here in Landover, Maryland, the site of an absolute bludgeoning from the Buffalo Bills on the road to improve the 2 and 1, 37 to 3. Soft move, Ron Rivera. We'll talk about that in a few moments. This is Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you, as always, by Tops Friendly Markets. Gear up for game day. You should have already done this already, but if you didn't, there's another game next Sunday and you can get right back after it. Now through October 28th, every time you use your Tops Bonus Plus card to purchase participating brands like Pepsi, Campbell, Smithfield, and so many more, you're automatically entered for a chance to win hot prizes to elevate your food game. You might also win a jersey every time Buffalo scores a touchdown. Had a lot of chances today. For complete details, visit topsmarkets.com slash redzone. I am Matt Perino. He is Ryan Talbot. Listen, we walk, We came into the stadium today, and we were, you know, it was nice. We got, like, a little reprieve to be able to get into the – without getting dumped on from a rain perspective. But we drove in here yesterday. It was, like, a monsoon at times. We were driving around town in the rain. Great event last night. Uh, Q&A we hosted with Eric Moulds and uh, Lee Evans and Eric Wood and Aaron Williams. But it could have been a disaster today. The weather held up. It was pretty nice. And the Buffalo Bills offensively, but more specifically, defensively, were just dominant. Yeah, the Bills' defense brought a storm of their own today here, Matt. I mean, they were just after Sam Howell all day long. At one point, uh, they were pressuring him at about 80% rate without really blitzing that much. So they were winning in the trenches. To me, that was the biggest storyline of this game. Although, there's another guy on the defensive side of the ball that I think deserves a lot of uh, praise and talk as well. Yeah, and when you're let, let's let's clarify that for the audience. When you're talking about an 80% pressure rate, which by the way, that was about like 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter. So, three quarters of this game were in the books and the Bills for 80% of the snaps, all the dropbacks that uh Sam Howell had in this game, 80% of the time, they were generating pressure, making him move off his mark, making them feel him, uh feel them all throughout the offensive line. We're looking at nine sacks. We're looking at 15 quarterback hits. When we get the pressure numbers tomorrow, when PFF puts out those grades, it is going to be unreal. Check out this stat I have from uh, Next Gen Stats here. I have it pulled up. The Bills had um, the Bills pressured Sam Howell on 27 of his 39 pressures for the game. So they finished with a 69.2% rate. That's the second highest pressure rate in a game in the Next Gen era next-gen stats era, which goes back, I think, a little bit more than a decade. Seven different Bills defenders generated four-plus pressures, led by Ed Oliver. 
with seven today. Yeah, Ed Oliver again had a a great performance and uh, post game. I asked Sean McDermott about you know what's what happened with Ed Oliver. The light has kind of switched on uh, after he signed his extension in the off season. He said, "I'm going to outplay this deal." And through three games, he really has. And you know, Sean McDermott said it's been the preparation and the work that Ed has been putting in this off season, and it has really shown. And and you know, there was a little skepticism of. Was this guy really going to have a, a breakout season after being here for so many years? But through three games, I can honestly say I've never seen a better version of Ed Oliver. He's kind of like, to me, with Von Miller out, and we're going to get to that in a moment, but Ed Oliver has kind of been the star, the star, the straw that stirs the drink. He's the guy that I feel like gets everybody going. He's made a couple big plays in the first quarter, I think in all three games. I mean, you remember that tackle for a loss? I believe it was last week. He was in the backfield. He was causing a problem throughout the game. And while the commanders did have the run game going at times, I never felt like it got out of hand. I felt like the the Bills kind of controlled the game. And I thought Ed Oliver, to me, was as good as anybody on the field. And I want to mention a couple things. First of all, number two on that list, Shaq Lawson with six pressures in this game. A.J. Epinesa, five. Leonard Floyd, five. Greg Rousseau, five. Check out what Greg Rousseau said after the game. He said, I kind of look at it as like the defensive line is kind of like a bomb, ready to go off, like at any instance. So we're out there, we're rushing, we're playing good in the first half, and we're really getting home. But then eventually when we really had to jump back and pass uh, every – Dear, he said when they had to go back and pass it damn near every single play, it just became easy for this defensive line. So what what's happening for this team is that their offenses, their offense is being effective. They're scoring points. They're moving the ball. They're getting ahead in games like they were throughout today. And that just makes things so much more easier on the defensive line. Yeah, it allows you to pin your ears back, get after the quarterback and make plays. You know, what's interesting to me, Matt, is two and three on that list that you just rattled off are backup players, guys that are coming in as a rotation behind, you know, Leonard Floyd and and Greg Rousseau, guys who had great games in their own right, Floyd with two sacks, Rousseau with one. So they're getting help, not just with their starters up front, but with their reserves as well. And it it really speaks to what we've seen from Sean McDermott in this defense. You know, there have been a lot of top five finishes with uh, Sean McDermott as the head coach with this defense, but they've been dominant through three games. I mean, you look at that matchup against the Jets. Yes, they lose that one in overtime, but it wasn't the play of the defense in that game. It was four turnovers on offense that really hurt them. In the last two weeks, they've, they've really put their stamp on the games. Um, this was a monster performance by AJ Epinesa, and I want to spend a few minutes talking about him today because I've been critical of him the last couple of weeks. I mean, I, I was calling for Kingsley Jonathan. I thought today's decision by the Bills to uh, make a healthy scratch for Puna Ford and then insert Kingsley Jonathan into that game day active roster might ma- mean like a, a flip a little bit and letting allowing um, Kingsley Jonathan to work a little bit more. But I thought Epinesa still outsnapped him. You, you did have Kingsley Jonathan with a, uh, a quarterback hit in this yes. game, uh, which isn't impressive. But for Epinesa, to me, this has kind of been building. Um, I, I remember it last week. There was one play where he got into the – it was just a third down. He got into the backfield. He got his hands up, forced a bad throw from Jimmy Garoppolo, and it was just an incompletion. But I felt like that kind of got the ball rolling. What we saw today – you know, whether it be the sack, whether it be the the pressure that led to the interception uh, made by Micah Hyde or the the absolute like game of chicken that he played with Sam Howell. We'll talk about him in a minute. 
he was just kind of floating out there in coverage. And, and Sam Howell didn't know what he was going to do. Is he going to come and try to rush? Is he going to try to float back into coverage? So he tried to kind of flip it over his head. Bad choice. Epinesa picks it off, runs it back for a touchdown. This was a huge game for A.J. Epinesa, one that I feel like could be confidence building for him. Nobody in the locker room, though, was surprised. This is the, the A.J. Epinesa that, he, that Greg Rousseau said they've been seeing. Yeah. Uh, Josh Allen was the first person out of the press conferences today and said he does this a lot at practice, intercepting those passes, getting his hands on the football. Sean McDermott backed that up as well, and Epinesa had a big smile on his face. You know, you're, you're right. We've been critical of him. He will show up at times at training camp, disappear in the preseason games at times, but he showed up in a big-time way today. And like you said, he, he kind of – he played that the interception perfectly against Howell where he kind of leaned back and he was kind of in the middle of the play. And then at the last minute, it looked like he was going to take that step forward, got the hands up. And I believe it was Jordan Phillips today after the game that said, you know, uh, with these quarterbacks after about two and a half seconds, the best thing you do is get your hands up. If, if you're not going to get the quarterback, get your hands up. And that's exactly what Epinesa did. Epinesa said against smaller quarterbacks. Uh, that's important to kind of take away those passing lanes a little bit. And he came up with a big time play. You know, if you look at the Bills' first three matchups, I mean, they're all low-level quarterbacks. You know, Aaron Rodgers goes out, it's Zach Wilson. Jimmy Garoppolo, you can make an argument that maybe he is like a fringe top 15 guy. I wouldn't be comfortable making it. I think he's a bottom third guy uh, that, you know, has been in beneficial situations. I think anybody can kind of run that San Francisco 49ers offense. And we've seen a version of it in Miami today that absolutely, you know, looks special when you have all those special players. We're going to talk about that in a little while. But today against Sam Howell, this was a hype train coming into this game. I, I mentioned it in my story that I that I filed at the deadline or a, as soon as the, the game ended. Everybody was talking about, all right, is, is Sam Howell like a guy? Like, is this somebody that we're going to have to start talking about? You look at some of the touchdown passes last week against the Denver Broncos defense that, oh, by the way, stinks. Like, I think we could pretty much say that without a doubt at this point. But Howell coming into this game, like there was a lot of smart evaluators, smart you know, um, film guys and gals on social media breaking down some of these throws and say, yeah, does he hold the ball a little long? Sure. But there's a lot to like about what he does. Four interceptions today, got absolutely beat up all day long. Didn't really make a throw all day that I was like, sat back and like, oh, wow, that was impressive. So I think the credit for that has to, of course, go to this defensive line. And we're going to talk about some other players in the back seven. But Sean McDermott, I mean, this was a masterclass today. Yeah, Howell could still end up being the guy here for Washington and the Commanders. But, you know, the, these young, inexperienced quarterbacks, Sean McDermott seems to really feast on them as of late. Early on, maybe some struggles uh, early in his head coaching career. But the, the past few years, the first year, second year quarterbacks, these the defense for the Bills have really caused a lot of fits, a lot of turnovers. And, and we saw that today. And, you know, Howell is going to have to go back to the drawing board. And Washington has to go back to the drawing board and say, what can we do to get the ball out of his hands faster? What can we do so defenses aren't pinning their ears back? Is it the, getting the run game going more, uh, keeping guy, extra guys back? But that's a Washington problem. For the Bills on their side, uh, they're going to leave this stadium very happy with their overall performance, but know there's a lot of work ahead of them next week. I remember a lot of comments, not blaming anybody, not pointing anybody out in particular, that were calling for the head of one Terrell Bernard after the first game of the season. And what did I say inside MetLife Stadium where you were back in, in Buffalo? I said, let's just pump the brakes. Let's see, right? Let's see a couple more games, a bigger sample size. Was it bad early? Yeah, at times it was bad. I mean, the, in the run game, it didn't look great at times. But what we've seen is a player in three games 
make you feel better about the potential for splash plays than I think Tremaine Edmonds ever did in his entire career with the Bills. Check out this stat. In his first season, 16 starts for Tremaine Edmonds. He had two interceptions. In Tremaine Edmonds, or in uh, Terrell Bernard's first three games, he has two interceptions. I mean, he's on pace for like seven or eight on the season. It's it's wild. Yeah, I, I totally get why Christian Kirksey retired this week, man, after watching the play. <laughs> I think Kirksey probably saw him practice, man. It's going to be hard to get this Terrell Bernard off the field. And week one, he was swallowed up at times against that Jets O-line. But to his credit, he had no preseason. This was him kind of getting out there, trying to get back into the swing of things. And now the past two weeks, it's clear he's shaken the rust off. He's made some big plays for this defense, uh, getting after the quarterback, creating turnovers via interception. There's a lot to be excited about with Terrell Bernard and this linebacker duo in general. Yeah, and I think, like, what Bernard brings is, like, I'm starting to see his personality come out a little bit. Like, I hadn't seen a lot of that over the course of training camp and even in the preseason. And, of course, he didn't play a lot of the preseason, so that's probably part of the the reason why. And he talked about, you know, going through all the mental reps. But looking at him in the sidelines, and I think it was A.J. Epinesa talking about the juice that he gets when he watches him and Jordan Poyer before games just absolutely blow each other up on the sideline, like slamming their helmets into each other and hitting each other. Get pe- Like, there's some juice there. This is a guy that, like, he brings energy. And Poyer said that, that he's seen it going back all the way to the spring. And then you think about, like, he, he creates a turnover. The Bills get the ball back. Or I, I don't know if it was the turnover or maybe it was the sack that forced the punt. I can't remember. But whatever it was, Bernard makes a play on defense. Josh Allen takes the Bills down, scores a touchdown on offense. And you see the exchange between now the quarterback of the defense, which Terrell Bernard is in year two, young player, third-round draft pick, and the quarterback of the offense, and you start to see, okay, maybe there was a method to the madness of Sean McDermott and what they saw in the person and the player in Bernard. And I think at the very least what we've seen in these two games is a whole lot of line. Like I am not um, rope, runway to, to the Terrell Bernard experiment because I don't think the Bills need to go out and get a middle linebacker. I don't think Christian Kirksey needed to be a guy uh, that you had to force feed up into the lineup I think Terrell Bernard at this point now they got some tough games coming up over the last six games. So we'll have a better assessment then. But as of right now, man, he's got to be flying high in this. He's got the Bills defense flying high. Absolutely. And it goes back to to last year when the Bills drafted him. There were a lot of questions about why are they drafting a linebacker in round three. At that time, you had Edmonds, you had Milano. Uh, you weren't known for your three linebacker sets. And uh, Babich and this coaching staff said how the blown away they were when they had him out there for a private workout, picking up the concepts, understanding the defense, running things so well. And rookie year, we don't really see much from him, understandably so, with the linebacker duo that they had. But patience is a virtue, and patience has paid off here the last two weeks for this coaching staff, for this fan base. And you're right, it's a small sample size. You have Miami, you have Jacksonville, uh, you have a Giants team where – Ryan Dable knows this defense very, very well, and he'll be looking to uh, attack Bernard and, and these players. So great sample size thus far, but you under- also understand that, you know, maybe this is the best course, the slow play that they had with Bernard, bringing him in, giving that it, him that experience. And maybe that really bodes well for a guy like Dorian Williams down the road as well. So uh, their patience has paid off the last two weeks. A lot's been made about Brandon Bean's draft record. You know, like a lot of, criticism at times we've we've delivered some of it but Bernard if he turns into even an above average starter that then becomes a check mark in the plus column 
you know, and for as much heat as he's taken for maybe missing on a couple players and, and moving off of them, I think Bernard has the potential to be like one of these great Brandon Bean pivots where he goes and gets the size and the attributes in a Tremaine Edmonds, realizes that maybe that's not the best fit at that position in their defense, and they go in a completely opposite direction in Bernard, an instinctual player that feeds off, that plays off of that instincts and allows him to play faster. You're seeing him start to fly around a little bit. And then there's another piece I want to talk about. One of the things that I don't think nationally, especially that Brandon Bean gets enough credit for is his ability to maintain relationships with players that maybe leave and then come back. AJ Klein is a great example of it, right? Shaq Lawson. Like talk about, Oh, what a wild story he has. He goes from this high profile first round draft pick underwhelming early in his career has to try to figure it out as he goes from Rex Ryan to Sean McDermott finally does enough so that he gets paid in a big way. And Oh, by the way, Shaq told me today in the locker room, that's what he was telling AJ last year, six and a half sacks in year three. It's money year. It's money season. It's contract season. You go in and you, and you perform and you put up some stats, you're going to get paid too. And again, side note, if AJ Epinesa does have a big year and he does get paid in a big way. And maybe it's not in Buffalo comp pick season right we can, yeah. we can get into that in the offseason but Lawson to me is that perfect example he goes he gets uh he signs a big deal it doesn't work there he gets traded doesn't work there gets released it doesn't work somewhere else and then he ends up back in Buffalo and in a game like this when you have a former first round pick in Russo second round pick in AJ Epinesa higher profile free agent signing in, in Leonard Floyd Shaq Lawson is right there with him as important as any of them. Yeah, Lawson had a great performance. And for guys that leave, come back, Jordan Phillips is another guy that you can kind of put into that mix. But real quick, going back to that uh, draft pick talk, I'm not writing off Kyrie Elam yet. I still think there's something to be said there. But all of a sudden, last year's draft is looking pretty good, Matt. James Cook, almost 100 yards on the ground today. We just talked about Bernard. You have uh, Benford starting opposite Trey White. You have uh, some hits there, and all of a sudden, that's looking better. Another great game with Osiris Torrance on this O-line against a, a D-line of nothing but first-round picks. So the last two years, you're putting this into perspective. You know, Brandon Bean's draft record, all of a sudden, it's looking pretty good. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I got a little bit of a wild, bold take prediction. I'm going to throw it. I'm going to, I think you know what I'm going to say. So one small criticism, Christian Benford today, and he has been really good through three games. I like what I'm seeing. I think the decision to go with him as the starter, as much as I've, you know, been a little bit critical of it, just because I'd like to Elam to get some of the same opportunities that a Spencer Brown gets and a Terrell Bernard gets like, you know, unopposed position battles. I think that there's, there's value in that getting reps. I think Christian Benford has played really well and has earned that job and has held up well for these first three games. Next week's different. The Miami Dolphins offense, as I'm sure most of you watched today that weren't at the game, it's different. Tyree kill Jalen Waddle probably expected to be back from the concussion that forced him out today. I think Kyrie Elam could get, a Jersey next Sunday. And I think while probably not a start, Benford's been really good. I think they work him in and maybe kind of split 
between uh, Benford and Kyrie Elam next week, just to throw a little bit of a wrench into things as, as Miami tries to plan for this defense. Sure, and, and get that press corner, get that guy that can kind of jam you at the line, try to throw you off your route. This is a, a Dolphins offense, Matt, that put up 70 points today, over 700 yards of offense, and they didn't have Jalen Waddell. Right. They're 1B to Tyreek Hill. So going into a matchup like this, yes, you want to be able to find uh, advantages. And, you know, you, you again, maybe it's Puna Ford that's the odd man out for inactives and Instead of it being a Kingsley Jonathan, it's a Kyrie Elam that's active in this game. Whatever you can do and uh, to, to create mismatches, I'm sure Sean McDermott's going to look at it over the course of the weekend. I'm sure Sean McDermott, I'm, I'm not saying he's licking his chops at this, but I think this is a game where he wants to come in and make a huge statement. He's already had a great performance from this defense for three weeks, but I guarantee over this next week, national media is going to be talking about this Dolphins offense being you know uh the greatest show on turf-esque like that Rams offense of the of the past and, and they're going to be hyped up going into this game and McDermott's going to love nothing more than to come up with some answers to slow them down and stop them easier said than done but I cannot wait for next week's matchup already I can't wait for it either and to get you ready for that matchup you're going to want to go and become a shout Buffalo Bills insider subscriber right now text 716-528-6727 That'll give you a two-week free trial once you're done signing up. If you want one month free, hit up me, hit me up on Twitter, uh, X at Matt Perino. Send me a DM. I'll send you a code for uh, one month for free. Uh, and of course, the Shout Insider text line is brought to you by Carrie C. Buyer, attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Litro, located at 237 Main Street in Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give them a call at 716-852. One, two, three, four, or check out LitroLaw.com. All right, let's flip things over to the offensive side of the ball here for a moment. And let's start with Josh Allen, because this was a game where with the way that this thing was going, the way the defense was playing, you're just probably looking at Josh Allen saying, don't do anything goofy. Don't do anything foolish. We saw some of that in week one. We haven't seen any of it since. Uh, you know, you probably, uh, you know, giving him a demerit for the interception, throwing it downfield as a third down play, kind of acts as a punt, but I get it if you you don't want him to make that play in that situation. But overall efficient, I thought he ran in spots where it was smart to run. I think he had 46 on three carries for a nice little uh, yards uh, per rush average. And then he obviously had the rushing touchdown, and I thought he took what the defense gave him, gave him made some good throws. I thought it was a really solid game for Josh. Solid is a good way of putting it. And, you know, by the way, he also slid today. He did not take any hits. Uh, and he was asked about it post game, and he, and he kind of joked tongue in cheek that uh, there were some wagers made as to whether or not he would slide today. So he's going to be a richer man post game. And Sean McDermott's eyes lit up too and said, hey, you know, he, he's excited as well to see, to see Josh Allen get down and slide, not take on that unnecessary contact preserve himself live for another day so to speak it was a a tale of two stories you know josh allen is going in there sliding not taking contact then you have a washington team that's down 37 nothing and letting sam howell just get absolutely crushed late and there was a play where he was really slow getting up before that field goal attempt so uh different coaching attempt or different approaches i should say and, and different outcomes by far really solid game for Josh Allen. A few plays he'd like back, no doubt about that. Uh, and not so much him, but I, you know, I, I can't wait to kind of get Ken Dorsey this week. Second straight week, Matt, they've had a, a fourth and one or a fourth and inches, really short scenario. And both times they've passed now. 
you know, the, the first time last week they did have Stefan Diggs wide open in the end zone, Hardy slips. That's probably a touchdown. This week, the ball gets batted away, uh, turnover on downs. You have a six foot five quarterback. You have uh, this new formation. Well, not new formation. You have a formation that you see other teams utilizing with the push. If you, I guarantee you, Josh Allen converts both of those with his legs if you give him a QB sneak. So uh, I do want to kind of go into that mindset of Ken Dorsey. Why aren't you doing this? Uh, what seems like a slam dunk instead, you're, you're trying to shoot some three pointers that you don't need to take. Yeah. And I'm also interested to see like next week how the run game goes because in this game it was kind of like it was tough sledding like I thought like in the second half they had some really important runs from Damian Harris Latavius Murray and then Cook got really going late in the game you know you look at some of the the really good offensive teams like you know the 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 Dolphins they run from the start of the game to the end of the game I think Devin Ashain uh however you pronounce his last name hit over 200 yards and two rushing touchdowns Mostert had four today obviously an unbelievable game, and I don't think Denver is very good on either side of the ball, and that plays into it a lot. They, I mean, this Washington team that scored three today scored 35 on the Broncos last week. So they're just not a good team. They're not at a place where uh, they're going to be competitive with the elite uh, teams in this league. But you bring up Ken Dorsey, and that's really interesting because one of the things I, I'm hoping to ask him tomorrow is, like, I really like the personnel diversity mm. that he has at his disposal. At times, though, I wonder if he leans too, like, predictably into some of the packages. Like, you know, down by the goal line here, they go heavy. They bring in David Edwards as an extra blocker, which I like. They run it, like, four or five straight snaps and then bring them off and then, you know, go to the next package. It's like, I, I think of it like hockey. Like, wouldn't wouldn't it make sense to kind of run through those different packages, you know, at different times of the game and try to put the defense in a bind to try to match it? I think there was one play where the Bills were going to fit, were going to kick a field goal, and they had Tyler Bass come out on the field, and then real quick, Sean McDermott pulled them all back, and then the, the defense had to kind of figure things out, and I think the Bills actually converted that one, if, if I'm correct. I can't remember if that was the play. I, I believe you are correct. I'll have to go back and look, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about, that or the you know the span of time. But yeah, and you don't want to criticize too much. They did win 37-3. Yeah, exactly. there, there was a lot of positives out of this, but next week they're going to have to bring their A game on both sides of the ball. And I think running the ball from Buffalo's perspective has to be a big key to the game because you want to keep uh, Tua and, and this Dolphins offense off the field. And the best way to do that is control the clock. The Bills, to their credit, had another nine-minute drive or so today and a lot of uh, double-digit or close to double-digit play drives. So they're showing that they can put things together. You want to obviously see more, see more touchdowns and field goals being kicked, but they, they are trending in the right direction, in my opinion. Yeah, we're trending in the right direction. Uh, it this this season has been such a whirlwind already. I want to just take a break real quick to talk about last night. It was so overwhelming. We saw, you know, I mentioned the shout uh, insider text line. We saw uh, a few people out at the uh, Q and A uh, here. The fans of Buffalo put together a wonderful event. Ryan and I uh, represented the shout podcast and uh, hosted a Q and A with Eric Molds, Lee Evans. Eric Wood and Aaron Williams, some Bills legends, and just seeing the amount of Bills fans that kind of came out, uh, obviously to see those guys, but, you know, mention that there's tech subscribers, big fans of the show. Listen, we're so humbled every time we hear that. We tell you guys that all the time, but there were a couple just really cool exchanges with fans last night, and we saw the legendary Del Reed and Bray. Yeah, it was overwhelming, Matt, in, in the most positive way. We're very grateful for the support that we get. We, uh, getting those kind comments about the uh, Shout Insider text line has been phenomenal. We had a great time hosting some Bills Legends last night. Thank you to everyone who was there, and it was great seeing so many of you out. So let's get into the target share here. 
What do you think about two targets for Dalton Kincaid, two catches and in, in, for three yards? It's like, it's been a little bit of a struggle getting him involved in the offense and finding a place to where he can kind of operate. And listen, this was always going to be an interesting um, dynamic with, with how they can feature him, knowing that he's basically tight end two on this team. Mm-hmm. Dawson Knox has years in the system. He's the higher paid player that you have that going for you. Then like the Travis Kelsey comparisons are what they are, right? Yeah. What was the, the, the signature of that Kansas city offense all those years, Tyreek Hill from week to week, didn't need like a, a boatload of targets. Stefan Diggs does like he's getting 10 plus targets every single game. I, and, and maybe next week is the week where they kind of flip the script and, and, and Stefan Diggs maybe comes down a little bit in the target share and uh, Kincaid goes way up. But to this point, it just hasn't materialized where he's been a big part of the offensive plan. No, and I think there's there's layers to that. There's the fact that he still struggles as a blocker, and they they have been very you know had a heavy, penalty today, right? Had a penalty today. It was it was a very questionable penalty yeah. with the tripping. I just think that he he missed on his block more than anything else, and kind of got uh, dominated on that specific play. But that's part of it. The, the way this offense has been. Uh, running things, and then obviously of Dawson Knox as well, which complicates things. This is not an offense that was missing a tight end. They have a guy that they like, but I go to that opening drive of the game that should have ended in seven points, Matt. Dawson Knox, first down, uh, has a ball pretty much go right through his hands in the end zone where I'm, I feel pretty confident if that's Kincaid in that scenario, that's six points on the board. So the Bills also have to go back and look at some of their play calls the utilization of Knox, if he's just running routes, not staying in and blocking and say, is that something that maybe Kincaid can do a little bit better job of? So Diggs goes eight catches, 111 yards, super uh, con- consistent today. Here's something to, to monitor. Gabe Davis, really nice uh, touchdown catch today. I thought he ran a really good route on that play. Four targets, one catch for Gabe Davis. It was a big one, and it was an important one. He leads the Bills in receiving touchdowns this year. but Where's your level of concern with that drop? I think it was on a third down or maybe it was earlier in the drive and the Bills end up not converting on third down. It was a play that, you know, it takes me back to last season, one that he has to, to, to make. He's been really strong through three games outside of today, and I think part of it was just he wasn't very heavily involved in the offense. They were going to digs a lot. But that one play, I just, with the history of last season that we know of, that's a, con- a a mini concern. A mini concern is a good way of putting it. It was a first down play, actually, and the ball was delivered where it needed to be. He could have caught it. It looked like he caught it at first, but when he went to the ground, he dropped it somewhere along the line. Uh, there might have, That might have been also the same drive that Spencer Brown, I believe it was, called for a holding penalty uh, when Josh Allen scrambled out of bounds. So, you know, it stalled out, though, on that first down play. You're moving the chains again if he catches that ball or you're putting yourself in a good spot. And those drops just can't keep happening. I get that today, you know, part of the target share, or the the lack of targets was the bills were rolling along. They were, uh, they were getting short fields. They didn't need to pass the ball as much because they didn't have as much field to cover more times than not. So that's part of it. They wanted to get Trent Sherfield more involved. I think this week from a blocking perspective, but also get him out there as a pass catcher. We've seen Hardy get a little bit more involved. I think they're also trying to get these other guys, uh, that are waiting in the wings some opportunities, kind of like Khalil Shakir with that touchdown last week. Get him out there, get him in the mix, try to let them get involved and make plays. Got a little bit of a geyser back oh, here. Got to be a little bit careful. Make sure that we're, our heads are on a swivel right. out here, Bills Mafia. Make sure that we don't get uh, blasted with one of these uh, sprinklers in the background. All right, 
So I mentioned the hype train of Sam Howell, Howell earlier. Um, he was awful today. And I'm not I, – I shouldn't say that I'm surprised. Like, Sean McDermott has this great history of young uh, – of facing court, young quarterbacks. I was actually uh, doing a hit with my guy Josh Reed over here uh, a few minutes before we went live. And he told me that uh, I believe, and if it's not exactly, it's close, and, and, and I'll follow up and I'll correct myself on the next episode if it's wrong. Sean McDermott, since he's come into the league as a head coach, when he became a head coach, he is 8-0 and against quarterbacks with under eight starts hmm. in the NFL. So obviously Sam Howell falls into that category. I mentioned the Howell hype train. You know what else had a major hype train, and I was leading the charge toot, toot, all week into this episode? That Washington defensive line, four first-round picks, they were completely neutralized in this game. And to me, talking about Ken Dorsey, we could pick and prod into some of the things about how they run things offensively. That is a huge deal. I mean, Aaron Cromer, tip of the cap to him. But Ken Dorsey in all, and the way that he called the game, the kind of um, – space that his offense um lived in today but more so than ever this offensive line they're healthy they have five starters that have now played three straight games together i think mitch morse came out for a few plays again today but came back in but bates or uh excuse me uh connor mcgovern uh torrance on the inside mitch morse what they did against jonathan allen and deron Payne today Really impressive stuff. Yeah. Don't you worry about that, guys. Are Ryan? It's, it's getting pretty close here, Prino. You're about to get that hair pretty wet. It's getting, uh, it's approaching us. But yeah, you know, it, for as much as we cr- criticize Kendor, oh, he's moving up. He's getting nervous. As much as we criticize Ken Dorsey, there was a lot, lot of good. Uh, the Washington D line that had nothing but first rounders had as many sacks as I did today, Matt. Zero. They did not get it. I got to, I got to beg to differ. Actually, <laughs> I saw you rushing rushing to the trail mix stand and you sacked a whole couple of handfuls of that trail mix. I'm not a big trail mix fan. Yeah. Some solid trail mix, but I did find that they had different kinds of it within those little packages. And I was not a fan of the second one, but first one was elite. Great, great trail mix. Uh, But going back to what you said, you know, give Dorsey his flowers for the protection, the way they've held up, give the, his flowers to Aaron Cromer as well. Cromer, you know, I, I feel like he came into this year with some criticism. I know there were some shout insider texts about, is he on the hot seat this season in, in our YouTube shows? He had a young O-line last year, O-line that was his first year with him, I should say. Year two, they're playing much better in his system. He's really bringing some of these young guys along, not just um, Torrance, but look what he's done for um, Vandemark to get onto this roster, what he's done for Alec Anderson, who's been inactive every week, but did enough this offseason to, to make this team. So he's done a lot of really good as well, and, and this O-line has looked great through three games. I think Eric Bieniemy kind of knew this was coming. The way that he talked about Matt Milano yeah. and, you know, the Bills' defense in general, like this is the first time that Bieniemy has had to face this Bills' offense uh, or this Bills' defense without Patrick Mahomes. And so I think, like, coming into this game, it's probably like, man uh, – Sam Howell, I mean, he got exposed today. I mean, this was a this was a situation where you have Terry McLaurin going up against Trey White. There was a couple of like intermediate throws that I thought worked, and they got a couple first downs. They got into the Bills uh side of the field a few times, but the goal line stands too. I mean, if you w- want to just talk top to bottom, Micah Hyde in- interception, Bernard interception, Tredavious White, another pick. Uh, he had one in the in the finale last year. So again, kind of getting back into form a little bit. Sean McDermott actually said. Today in the post game, the Trey White was sending him pictures of his workouts this offseason uh, with his uh, 
with his shoes off to the side after running hills, which I'm not surprised about because Trey White, every time you see him out at practice, training camp, during the season, before games when he's walking onto the field, uh, just when he, when the Bills first get here, shoes off. He's a big, like, bare feet guy. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't really have a stance on that, but it, it's, I thought you would actually. No, I don't. I mean, I don't like. I don't. I'm not a big fan of bare going barefoot a, a lot of the time, but it is what it is. Uh, but going back to Bienemy, it's interesting. You know, going from Mahomes to Sam Howell, it's like going from a bazooka to a water pistol, and, and he didn't. He didn't have much to work with today, and that's not a knock on Howell. Howell's young. I like. I said, do you workshop bad. these, or do these come to you in the moment? Just in the moment, Matt. In the moment. So uh, he probably did know it was going to be a long afternoon. He knew that Howell's one of his weaknesses is holding the ball too long. And against a defense like this, that's usually not going to go well for you. Well, I'll tell you what's going to go well for everybody watching right now, and that is a trip over to Tops Friendly Markets and the Carry Out Cafe. I got to bring it back. Listen, it's, it's Slider Sunday. Go to slidersunday.com. Uh, we'll have all those reads back uh, tomorrow. But I, I got to talk about this carryout cafe, man. They got everything that you need and they will let, let tops do the cooking for you. Uh, you'll be the real MVP hot to go, fresh, large cheese and pepperoni pizzas. How much? Ooh, 1499, $15. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Jumbo chicken wings, 10 count. For this one I'm off on $14. Okay. <laughs> the tops legendary breakfast pizza. 1999. $20. That's close enough. Yeah, that's close enough. I'm pizza, I'm price is right rules. Pizza or taco log. Six count. I don't like pizza logs. $8.49. Baby back rib sections. $5.99 a pound plus sub sandwiches, wraps, app sides, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone for the complete menu of ready to enjoy fan favorites. Like stiff arm that mic as you kept bringing it over. I'm like, I'm not good at these guessing games in the fly, Matt Perino. <laughs> know yeah so ryan and i have spent uh a lot of time together Mm -hmm. over the last 36 hours they've all been enjoyable little bit of a inside scoop uh on on the ryan talbot um how many people we got watching live right now 320 some might drop off after this um so we'll see uh hit that like button subscribe to the channel as well ryan a big two things number one sings in the car oh yeah big karaoke guy Whistles in the car. Yep, no doubt. Yep, whistles in the car, and does like air drums and air guitar. Like, not no no no. I'm sorry. Like, what would it be called when you're like like that? Like, what would that be called? When I know there's a drum solo coming, or I know there's a guitar solo, I'm I'm gonna mimic it with this angelic voice. So that's all it is. That's all it is. So we're in D.C. The Bills just beat the uh, Commanders. Send us off. Give us a tune. What do you got? Ooh, tune. I don't know. Uh, boy, I hate when you put me on a spot like this, Prino. No tune. Thanks for watching, Bills Mafia. 37-3 victory for the Buffalo Bills. We only had like 12 people drop off. Good job. For Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. Next live show, maybe in London, I'll get this guy to do a little karaoke live on Shout. We'll see you next time. Take care, everybody.